welcome to the Destined for Success podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and this podcast used to be called New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start. Many of the concepts are the same, but there's a little shift. There's a shift because I know we are all destined for success, and I want to help you find the fastest, smoothest way to reach your highest best as quickly as possible. Join me in today's episode where you're going to come up with new ways to build your skills and influence others to make the impact you desire to make. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Welcome to Destined for Success. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and I'm so excitable because today is Potapalooza Day, and I get to meet all kinds of amazing people that I may or may not have connected with for any reason in the past. And that is still true because we have the opportunity to visit with Julie Furman, and Julie's podcast is The Cupid's Coach. I love that. I love that title. And I love the whole idea of matchmaking because I haven't always made the best choices in my life and I might have benefited from some help. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you, Jennifer. It's really good to be here. So tell me a little bit. How did you get on this path? Uh, Are you an actual matchmaker? I am. I'm an actual matchmaker and dating coach. I've been doing this for 33 years, since 1990, since I met my own husband through a proactive dating process. So first I had to get real frustrated with dating and puzzled as to why it wasn't going my way. And then I hired a coach who was actually a good friend of mine who said I had to have skin in the game. He, he said I had to pay for him to take me under his wing. And he did. And he gave me weekly assignments over the phone from Boston. I was living in Kansas City at the time. And I would do so much homework. And he really helped me with the inside part, the, my blind spots, you know, my, my big long list of criteria that was ridiculous. He made me focus on the top three, you know, instead of 23, right? And then we put together an action strategy and I did everything you could possibly imagine to meet the right guy. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to have kids. I'd had surgery at 27, leaving me with half of one ovary. So I was like tick tock, right? I was the girl who really wanted marriage and family to happen. So I placed personal ads in the newspaper. We couldn't do online dating back then. We didn't even have the internet. And I put together lots of events. I put a profile together about myself with photos. And I had it copied at Kinko's a million times. And I sent it out to everybody I knew, five copies with a cover letter that says, who do you know who wants to meet this girl? I was really working it. And I got transferred with the company I was working with to St. Louis, where I was from. And I was sitting there the first few weeks of being back where I was from at this Ethiopian restaurant, sitting by myself, eating food with my hands, feeling like the world's greatest loser. And I'm looking at the personal ads and I thought, Julie, you can't put a personal ad in the St. Louis newspaper. You grew up here. What if your history teacher sees it? What if your old boyfriend sees it and puts the word out that Julie's doing personal ads? She must be a total loser, right? So 
So I saw in that publication ads for dating services. And I thought, okay, I ripped the page out. I ran home. I called all three of them. Two of them were blind date matchmaking companies. And I'd had enough surprises with online dating. I I didn't really want to have a whole bunch of new surprises and pay a lot of money for it. So the other agency, maybe you remember the name of it. Where do you live, Jennifer? I'm in Oklahoma City and I lived in Kansas City in the late 80s. So how come we weren't playing together? That's when I was there. I was sitting home alone myself. I worked for my father's Ramada Inns there. And then uh, when he died, I ended up with Ritz Carlton. We turned the Alameda Plaza Hotel into this big, beautiful Ritz Carlton. So that's why I needed help because I was working 80, 90 hours a week. It was just sick. So um, I saw that there were ads for Great Expectations, which was a video dating service. And later, well, I'll tell you how it happened. I go in there and the guy who did the interview with me and talked me into joining, the guy who took my 1450 bucks, signed me up at his agency. That's my husband. <laughs> so he got the pick of the litter, so to speak. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to ask his members out. He wasn't supposed to. It was a protocol thing. And so what happened was I finally got my photos done and my videos done. And then you could finally just access the books. So I'd sit down and look through all the books. They had just opened their doors, Jennifer. There weren't very many people. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, was this just a huge mistake? Did I just waste $1,450? And I I thought, well, I'm going to have a a good relationship with these people no matter what. So I knocked on this guy's door and I joked with him. I said, hey, I looked in the G book under Gil and I didn't see you. What's the story with you, pal? And he said, well, I'm not supposed to ask out my members. And I said, well, what would you do if one of your members asked you out? And he said, if she was cute, I'd probably go. I said, come on, let's go have a beer. And five weeks later, we got engaged. And five months later, we got married. And two months later, we got pregnant with the kid who's turning 32 tomorrow. And the other one followed two years later. So I married into the dating industry and worked for my husband for seven or eight years. There were a lot of things I liked about it, a lot of things I didn't. Uh, Have you ever been part of a dating agency before, Jennifer? I've not. But before you tell me more, I went to Washington, D.C. on business all the time, and I ended up on the same flight from St. Louis to Oklahoma City week after week after week. And I got to know this gal with Southwest Airlines, and we would always move so we could sit together. She lived in St. Louis. Her friends talked her into going to a video dating site. She met a guy She was in her late 30s and Catholic, never been married, and wanted a guy who was Catholic, never been married. His friends forced him into signing up, and the story's kind of like yours. He was in the Air Force in southwestern Oklahoma, so she would fly in once a month to see him, and we would fly together. I have her name written down somewhere. I'm going to come back to you because you can probably (laughs) find her for me because I, I mean, I got all of those things, just, I didn't do it through a dating app, but I had a list of criteria of what I wanted in a man. And I found him and I married him. We did not win the baby thing, but we Uh, kind of got everything else. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. I don't have the database anymore for my husband's great expectations. I might know her. I might know her. I might, I might've signed her up. 
I don't know. So I, I worked for him for a bunch of years and then we moved back to LA where he's from and he sold his companies. And that's when I started my own. So 20 years ago, I started my matchmaking company and dating company and it's 36,000 people I've registered so far. We've counted over 1,300 couples that have waltzed off into the sunset over 33 years. It's been quite a journey, but my real passion, I mean, I can't really make a match. Can't make a match. You know, I don't have power to do that. I can, I, I think of myself as a relationship enabler. And what, what, oh yeah, right, right. That's so funny. And, and, and here's, here's my sweet little, like in my next life, I'm going to be a genie, right? And I'm going to be able to just whip them up for you. But I know too much now. And so what I like to do is help people really do dating well. And I like to make sure that they have all the options open to them, depending on who they are, who they're looking for, where they live, what's their demographic. Demographics are not our friend. Um, the young guys are really, really struggling. There are not enough young women and all the men are, you know, not all of them, but they're, the young women are often just inundated with requests, especially if they're attractive. So that's just, there's no way to get an attractive woman to respond to you online. They're just getting a hundred messages an hour. And then us girls later in life are struggling because 65%, let's just say it this way. Um, let's see. There are three times as many single women as there are single men over the age of 65. So that's why it gets really hard. So there, I like to teach people all the ways to compensate for this. And so one of my programs that I talk about a lot, and I love to do it for audiences large and small, is navigating the romantic marketplace, but then also developing our social magnetism, the art of social magnetism. So we can meet those people on those airplanes and we know what to say in front of the cantaloupes at the grocery store. And why wait in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles without making a friend with the person in front of you and behind you? So I teach people how to do all of this. When you see somebody out there in the world, you have a nice conversation, I want everybody to have a calling card. So you can say, hey, nice to find you. Here's here's how to find me. And those calling cards with women, I suggest that nothing on that card be Googleable, right? But guys are asking us, they are begging me to beg women to turn the cab light on because since the Me Too thing happened, which needed to happen, uh, really good men who have respect for us and don't want us to feel preyed upon, they're not initiating like they used to. So that's why my phone is ringing more and I'm getting more registrations from men now because they feel like they can't just walk up and talk to a woman anymore. It's really, really, that piece of it is, has backfired. So I'm trying to do my part to pick up the slack. Oh so, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been really fun. Uh, so I'm based in Los Angeles and then we bought a home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's where I am today. I spend the summers in Santa Fe. So I have a whole other community of people here in Santa Fe. So there's, there's no shortage of great people. There's something that women don't know though, that causes, that causes us to be frustrated in dating. Do you want to know what it is that we don't know? I would love to. All right. Here's, it's not really great news, but we have to work with it because I'm not a dreamer. I'm a realist. <laughs> so 
I ask every woman this question, and I've interviewed over 50,000 people in 30-something years. I'll say, have you ever met a guy? Well, let me ask you, Jennifer. Have you ever met a guy that you weren't particularly attracted to initially, visually, but then you got to know him, and before you know it, he became adorable and even dateable? Has that ever happened for you? Probably. 85% of women have given me a yes response to that question. We have a superpower. It's the ability to look inside a human being and measure up character, values, shared passions. We, we have the ability to see more. It's our per powers of perception. Men, on the other hand, I've asked you know thousands and thousands and thousands of men, what percentage of men would you say have the ability to develop attraction over time? Oh, I'm going to say much less. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's really bad. It's like less than 5%. So what that helps me understand is that it's not that they're superficial and shallow. They literally have equipment that needs to function in order for babies to be born on the planet and the species to survive. It's basic instinct. And this is the longest we've ever lived, right? If it was back in the 1850s, you and I would have been six feet under by now. We wouldn't be out there dating in our 60s or even thinking about it. So it's a different world. It's changing. And women are flexible and adaptable. It's one of our superpowers. So what we need to do is shift, just like the other piece of the puzzle that's so important. You've probably heard women say, oh, I'm really successful and, and I have a lot of money. And so I, I intimidate men. Have you heard that? I have heard that a lot. Yeah. You stop them in their tracks right then and there, Jennifer, and say, first off, stop bitching, call Julie. But secondly, what you say to them is men are never intimidated by a woman. They might be put off by the way she's being about all of her strengths, but I'm Every time I ask that question to a man, they're like, I, I never get intimidated. I'm just, they're just annoying because they're bragging all the time, or they won't let me finish a sentence and she has to one up me. He doesn't want to come home to competition. The guy wants to come home to what he calls a soft place to land. So it's not that we can't be strong and powerful. We got to get really good at the toggle switch, which is, you know, what happens when I finally shut down this computer. And I know I'm going to need to morph myself into a woman to be a partner to my husband. And I'm going to need to make myself available to everybody else in the world that I've been ignoring for the last eight hours. So there's transition time and we need to get good at it. And I've got women that I've trained who are trial attorneys, like real tough, powerful women in the marketplace. And then they got a date that night. So I train them in like, what to bring in your little bag, change your underwear, put on your little, your little bustier or whatever you got to do. Turn yourself into a woman before you go on that date. And be present for the guy, because what does a man need more than anything? This is why it's not working for so many professional people. What men need more than anything is respect, appreciation, and uh, receptivity they don't want to come home to an argument. So we need to practice bringing respect, appreciation, honor to the men in our world. And then they just show up a lot better than if we treat them as adversaries or competitors. Does that make sense? It, it does. And 
we have different skills and different skill sets. And so we need to hone ours, which are typically different than theirs. Yep. And women, you know, we, we, we speak more words than they do. <laughs> we do. You know what my husband says? He says, generally speaking, women are generally speaking. <laughs> I wonder if more podcast hosts are women than men. I wonder. So uh, what is the book? Is it uh, Gary Smalley? Maybe uh, I'm going to draw a blank, but my husband and I, when we first got married, we were at this um, thing through church and it was a marriage enrichment communication thing. And he said, men have about 25,000 words a day. So when they get home from work, they've pretty much used up all their words. When women come into the world, they have like 50,000 words a day. So when they get home, they, I mean, when the, when they get home and everybody gets together, they have way more words. And if a woman works from home or is a stay at home mom working the house at home and hasn't talked to anybody all day, now she has a minimum of, you know, 45,000. And it's just like a whole cluster. So my husband drove me and one of my girlfriends from college to um, a lake where we both had little places. And she and I hadn't been alone together in a long time. We're both married. We're busy. We don't have time. Two hours in the car. I'm in the back seat. She's in the front. He's driving. She and I talked the whole way. We dropped her off. And as we're backing out of the driveway to go to our house, I just stayed in the back seat. My husband looked over his shoulder to back out and he goes, Okay, I can only hear 25,000 words a day and you all just superseded that. I need to not hear one word for a solid hour. God love him. That is so funny. It's absolutely true. Um, you know, I wanted to tell you that last weekend, two weekends ago, I was in Oklahoma City. Another time where we could have played together, but we didn't know each other yet, so we didn't. My sister and I met there because she's in St. Louis. I'm in Santa Fe. Smack dab in the middle is Oklahoma City. We both drove seven and a half hours to get there. Because why? Because our dogs needed to meet. <laughs> we had so much fun. So I've got a great, um, I've, I've got a great little mashup that we did from going to Cookies, the karaoke place. Have you been to karaoke at Cookies? It's a great little place. I'll look it up. <laughs> we had a great time. So, oh, there's one more thing I wanted to share about that business of, you know, when the guy comes home from work, okay, from wherever he's been, he needs a little transition time. Mr. Furman goes into the smallest room in the house with a crossword puzzle and he hangs out there and I hear a few flushes and then I know he's done and ready to engage. That's where he does his thing. But it's just hilarious when we need to talk to our guy because we've been cooped up or pent up or there's something we need to share. We have to let the guy know if he's supposed to fix it, if he's supposed to fix the problem or just hold the trash can, because sometimes we don't really want anybody to fix it. We just need somebody to hear how awful this thing was. And so then we have to remember to say, hey, honey, I got something I want to share with you. The good news is you're not in trouble. Other good news is you don't have to fix it. But would you just hold the trash can for like five minutes so I can just tell you about this thing that happened? And then he knows he's free. He's safe. You don't have to try to figure out all this. Can you imagine how annoying it is for men to hear the voices of us girls, given that we talk so much more than they do? And <laughs> I feel bad for them. 
Um, well, you know, as, as, as a friend of mine would say to have all this, you, that's your price. Like you have to listen, right? <laughs> In order to get all this, right. I'm bringing this to the party, dude. You are yeah, so I'm bringing funny. All this. Well, and I think that it, it's, it is, it's just an awesome, like whole way to do it. And I have a girlfriend and years ago, she's been, I've been married 31 years. She's been married. I don't know, more than that, 37, 38 but she said, you know, the thing is, I have to start the conversation. I just want you to hear what I said or what I have to say. And I don't want you to fix anything. And I had a problem buying tires a couple of weeks ago. And I said, I'm going to tell you what happened. I don't want you to react. I'm going to offer a possible couple of possible solutions. And then we can talk about the solutions. But I don't want you to interrupt me in the whole story of all the things I did wrong. I just... Like, let's get here. And I have to give him, Bill Takagi, you get a couple of bonus points for that because he was like, okay. And then we came to a solution and, and it all worked out. But, you know, you do, you have to draw the lines because they're hunters yeah, and they want to fix the problem. Right. They want to hunt for that solution. And then if they provide it and you don't accept it, then you've got another conversation. that they Have do. you studied with my buddy, Allison Armstrong? No. Oh, because the way you speak, it's as if you've studied with her. You've learned a lot of this stuff. You've been very growth oriented. It's no surprise you're a great host. Um, yeah, you've done a lot of studying and no wonder that you're married for 31 years. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Julie, this has just been awesome. So we'll drop all the pertinent stuff in the show notes, but is there something particular special you want to give away? You want to have them be able to get hold of you or find out more about your coaching programs? What's most important is that they register with me so I can find them when I'm searching. I do a lot of free introductions because I, I'm 63 years old right now, and I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this, so I want to make all the introductions I can. So I do a lot of mitzvah, mitzvah matches, which is a Jewish term. My husband's Jewish. It's a, a term for a good deed, a blessing. So if somebody registered with me in Oklahoma City, I'm not going to try to get them to hire me for matchmaking. I'm going to run to my database and I'm going to look and see who I have. And if there's somebody great, I'm just going to go ahead and make the match. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Yeah. The matchmakers are really mad at me for doing it. And I don't care. I've been doing this for 33 years. I get to pick how I operate. A woman after my own heart. We're going to have to have virtual cocktails soon. Soon, I'm telling you. Um, I'll meet you at Cookies in Oklahoma City. Hey, let's do that. I'm going to LA every month, the first of the month for the rest of the year. So maybe we can hook up there wow. somewhere. So how do we find you? It's real easy. It's my name, juliefermancom So J-U-L-I-E-F-E-R-M-A-N.com. And I have the Cupid's Coach podcast. And it is all the stories, all the tips. I don't have to make up anything. These people out there in the world give me all the content I would ever need to share with people. Good stuff and bad stuff. It's hilarious. Laugh out loud, funny stories. I can only imagine. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure to visit. Thank you, Jennifer. Today. You're a doll. Good job. You're awesome at this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Talk I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. taking your time to spend with me on this latest podcast of Destined for Success. Please take a moment to leave a review, share it with a friend, and subscribe.
and get the newest episodes every Monday morning. I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.